Good morning, Whitewater. I said good morning, you guys. There we go. You guys are here. Hey, it's three-day weekend. You made it to church. I'm just, um, we're going to do our best to make sure you're blessed and you leave, leave here just energized. Um, here's what we're going to do. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a, a little bit of a peek into the future of where our church is going and talk about some of the cool stuff that's happening. And then we're going to jump into, uh, some scripture together. And then we're going to take communion, sing, and then you guys are going to enjoy the three day weekend. Does that sound like a good deal? It's a good social contract, uh, for today. Uh, oh, David, good to see you. I just recognized you. Like normally there's, you know, it's three day weekend. I see you. It's awesome. It's my friend David, everybody. He's a good guy. Uh, let me pray <laughs> and we'll get started. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for how good you are to us. Thank you so much for what you're doing in our church. Lord, thank you for the beauty of this weekend. I pray that we would enjoy it. We would also uh, be reflective on on um, the fact that we get to have weekends like this and live in a place like we li- live. Lord, thank you for the sacrifice of those who've gone before us. And um, Lord, would you speak to us? If there's somebody carrying heavy burdens, would you lighten them? Would you give them vision? Would you give them encouragement? Would you lift uh, their eyes to see a bigger vision, a bigger purpose for their for their existence, for their life, Lord, would you, uh, I pray that your spirit would just flow into our lives and through our lives today, and God, and, and would you bring maybe some unexpected truth, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. I think it's important to be open to God surprising us with some truth, and uh, so we'll see what happens, yeah. So we got, uh, this is a really, really cool uh, season for our church. And uh, we're just taking last week, this week, and a little bit of uh, of next week to kind of finish our built series. But but we're in a season where we are, our church has really been growing. And you know, on the three day weekend, people are here and there. But like our church, like the kids area, we're starting to see get maxed out in some areas. And so we just want to continue the story of Whitewater. We are ready to move to the next steps. Um, some of you guys might not know the story of Whitewater, but real briefly, we started in a home. We moved to Fredrickson Elementary School for a little bit. We moved to Piop High School for a little bit, and then we moved here. And we don't own this building, in case you're wondering. This is, you know, our rental facility is your rental facility. And, uh, so I hope you're, you know, enjoying this with me. And, uh, it's, uh, it's been awesome how God's provided for us every step of the way. On, on days like this, you know, I can see people individually and, uh, it reminds me of when we were in Fredrickson Elementary and I remember when we were first starting, we'd, we'd get ready and we'd pray and get ready for service. We were just doing one service and Lord, would, would somebody show up today, you know? And, um, I remember one time we had a, a family that was doing baby dedication and baby dedication is a time where we, we just say, Hey Lord, would you really bless and give favor to this family? And we as a community say, we're going to support them in, in raising these kids and loving these kids, helping them have a relationship with Jesus. So it was a really cool event. We do, uh, baby, baby dedications a few times a year, but this was like early, early in the life of our church and, um, had a family that, that were having their child dedicated. And I, and I noticed something was different when they all showed up in kilts. And there was a whole clan of them. They were like the mechanicals or something like that. There was a whole clan and they had like a specific kilt. And, and I was like, oh, this is going to be different today. And um, little did we know. Uh, when, when they were doing the run through, they were talking about some of these things. And, and, and then when the service happened, the, the, the dedication, it happened to everybody. It was this moment where, um, I remember, uh, the, the grandma all of a sudden got up 
and uh, she grabbed the baby and to be dedicated. And I'd never been a part of, have any of you guys been a part of a Scottish baby dedication, right? I had never experienced this before. I'm just telling you, I was just, this was a completely new experience for me. And, uh, she just, she grabbed the baby and all of a sudden she was like, by the rivers and the, and then she, and then she would give some Gaelic and by the mountains and she was like, just was rocking this thing. It was like, you know, the, it was the Scottish circle of life happening in our church. This baby was boom, boom, and it just went and went. And I was just like, I've never seen this before. And there were people who were totally new to church and not, not in church. And they're like, this is awesome. They always do this in church, you know. And this, you know, these men are wearing, you know, these skirts. And, the, you know, people were just like, they didn't know what was going on. And uh, some people have been Christians their whole life and been in church. They were like, what is going on? They were freaked out. And it, this just experience happened to everybody. It was so interesting. <laughs> it was so, it was a, it was a cultural moment for me. I'd never experienced that. Um, and, uh, our church has grown and had like just the most diverse group of people. I I love that about the church. It's people from different backgrounds, different, um, stories, different, um, well, just different people. And God brings us together to be this inclusive community of belonging. Um, how many of you guys have heard me mention that before? We're a community where you can belong before you believe. And we are growing and we want to be ready for the next step. So what does that mean? We, we believe that like God's going to have a spot for us to have a more permanent home. And we want to get ready for that. We wouldn't want to come to a point where God brings an opportunity for a more, a permanent place to call home that we could have for the community. I mean, I want a place to call home for us, but it's, we're here, we exist for people who don't yet know Jesus. People who are hurting, who are broken. We want to continue that. I never want the shoe to tell the foot how big it can get or, or how many people can join. Um, I just never want to be at that place where we're like, well, you know, we just don't have room for you. Uh, that would just be such a tragedy because Jesus created a community where everybody could come to the table, everybody could belong. And so we just want to be ready for that next step. So we want to be wise. How many of you guys have um, uh, started a family? A few of you guys started a family? Okay, just very few of us that are willing to admit that we started a family. You're like, I'm kind of embarrassed of them right now. Um, how many of you guys have been in a family that started at some... Come on. Come on now. All right. So uh, Whitewater started in a home. Um, many of us, you know, when we first start out starting a family, maybe you get married and you're like, I got to stay a little uh, for a few months that turn maybe into a few years at your folks. You know, who knows? How many of you guys have had that? Staying with your folks. Are a few of you staying with your folks right now and it's a little awkward to put your hand up? I love it. I've ha- I had to do that this year when we sold our house. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm sure my dad loved it. Um, and you start there and then also what's the next step normally like in the progression? You'll rent a house or an apartment, right? How many of you guys have rented before? You know, that's the stage we've been in as a church. We've rented, none of, you know, this stuff has been ours. But eventually you, you step into a place where you're ready to have a more permanent home. Yeah? And so we want to be ready for that as a church. And uh, normally building campaigns in like a, in a church, you know, are like, th- are three years and uh, it's like typical and they're, they've got a, a property that you've, you, you got or you've got a building that you're working on and we don't have any of those things. So what we just want to do is say, hey, for 12 months, what could we build as like a, a nest egg or a war chest or a, you know, a down payment or just a, a deposit to help with, you know, a building or, or a property. And what would it look like if we did that for 12 months as a community? You know, what could God do through us if we stepped up in faith? And some of us who feel called to be part of that um, were able to join. 
And so that's what this is all about. I'm going to talk about, you know, some of the nuts and bolts of it at, here at the beginning, and then we'll jump into the, into the sermon. But, um, a few things to keep in mind uh, on something like this. I had someone uh, ask a really good question. I think it goes in people's minds like, if we're growing and as we grow, like, I want people to come and belong, but I also, I like the way it is. So I, I don't mind if it changes as long as it doesn't change. <laughs> How many of you have ever felt that way in life before, right? And in church, it can be, you can feel that way. But we, again, we never want to get to the place where we're telling, hey, we don't have room for you. I, I just, we don't like change here. If we did like change and if Jesus really told us to, then we would, but we, I haven't heard him say that to me yet. No, no, no. We want to be a church that's ready for people. And so change is a part of it. But there are some things that we don't want to change. Because there's people that are like, I don't want the heartbeat of whitewater change. I still want this to be a place of belonging. I still want us to be about people. And I still want us, you know, the things that we love about whitewater, the things we love about this church, or if you're new that you might grow to love, maybe you'll hate it, I don't know. But we love it. Um, the things that you love, the, our identity, uh, I don't want that to, to go away. And I'll, I'll just tell you a little parable that might be helpful with this. It might be really helpful. Um, there once was a CEO who, who actually started a business and he was the CEO of this whole uh, business. It was a drill bit company. They made drill bits that they drill holes into walls and into doorways. And it can drill holes into anything, all right? So they had this drill bit company. And they made drill bits. Well, the CEO died. And the company needed to get a new leader. So they brought in a new leader after they had got, filtered a bunch of uh, applicants. And the whole company was really nervous but excited because this was the new boss. And they introduced the new boss, the new CEO, at the, the Christmas celebration, where all the groups, get, you know, all the, the, the people on the team and everybody in the company get together. They have a big meal. They celebrate. And this was a first chance to have a good impression on the boss. How many of you guys know it's important to have a good impression on the boss, right? So the, the, you know, after they'd eaten, they would, you know, wined and dined, and all of a sudden it was time to give some presentations about the year and how it had gone. So like all of a sudden the accountants got up, the bean counters. I love bean, I need them in my life. People who are accountants and detail-oriented, it's great. And they got up and they, they said, here's uh, the surplus, here's, you know, where our margins were, and here's what we did, here's how much growth we had, and everybody celebrated. I mean, that's good news, you know, they were blown, and they were wanting to impress that CEO, right? So then all of a sudden, they sat down, the next team got up, it was the research and development crew. They were the ones who developed the new technology. And they're like, hey, we have this new drill bit. Uh, it's made out of this new titanium alloy. It can drill through like this, this, and this. Nothing else is like it on the market. We're the only ones who have it. And we got this other development and this other development. Here's what we're working on. What do you think? And everyone's like, yes, because they're, you know, they're leading in the market. And finally, the sales people got up salesmen saleswomen got up and they they gave their report and they were able to share like we were able to take this territory we were able to push up into this our competitors territory they said we never could do it that it was only the, but we've been able to get into this area and we we're, we've grown more than we've ever grown before and like they were so excited to share that because the ceo was there listening right and everybody cheered and they sat down the ceo gets up and it got quiet in the room. This first time they hadn't heard from him, and he said, you know, "I just want you to know, I'm so thankful to be part of this community." He's like, "I w- or this this company, I wouldn't have joined this company if I didn't think that you were great and that you could become greater. I wouldn't be here." He's like, "So let me ask you a question: What is it that we do here? What is the business that we are in? What is it? What's our business?" And it just went like dead silent. 
Finally, you know, one of the brass salesmen puts his hand up. He goes, we sell the best. We sell the best. Gosh, dang, drill bits this side of the Mississippi. And everyone just went crazy, you know, like that's the answer. And it took a while for the din to die down. And the CEO said, you know, I appreciate you being willing to give an answer. And you don't even know me. I know it's taking a risk. So I, th- I want to thank you for that. But that's not our business. That's not what we do. It went dead silent. Like you could drop a pin. And the CEO looked around. He said, the business we are in is not, a dr- is not making drill bits. The business we are in is making holes. We are a hole-making company. So if someday there's a laser that makes a hole better and faster than a drill bit, we're going to make lasers. If there's a, uh, a compound, a chemical compound that makes uh, holes faster and better than a drill bit, then we're going to be making that chemical compound. If there's some other invention, that's what we're going to be making because we are not in the business of drill bits. We're in the business of making holes. So let me ask you the question. What is whitewater in the business of? What is it that we do? We make disciples. That's what we are called to make disciples. And it's so, it can be really easy to, to exchange or, or to confuse what business we're in. It can be really easy to say, you know, we're a, we're a program making church, a Christian program. So we make programs and they're really good programs and they help people. They can help people with addiction, help people know the Bible. They can help people with their kids. They can help, we can do classes. We're a class making church. That's what we do. We make classes. We have buildings. We're a church with a great building. It's a phenomenal building. And see friends, programs, um, classes, Buildings are all just tools in the toolbox for one thing that we're called to do. And what is that? Make disciples. Does that make sense? And we want to be clear on that because we don't want to lose who we are. We don't want to forget what we're about. The mission is to make disciples. All those things, programs, you know, classes, buildings, like we couldn't be meeting in here right now if we didn't rent a building to do this. So they're very helpful, but they're tools to make disciples. I've heard it said before that, that if you set out to just build a church, you don't necessarily get disciples. Starting a group just with a church does not necessarily, you'll meet, you'll, you'll make people who are sold out uh, followers of Christ. People who, who love, and just love people, even their enemies. People who are generous, even to their enemies. People who are, are, are just are willing to do the hard things and sacrifice in their life for Christ. Uh, we don't necessarily get that if we just set the goal of making a church. But, if our goal is to make disciples, You'll always end up with church. Does that make sense? So I just want to give that to you guys as a help, I hope a helpful answer that we keep our eyes set on making disciples and everything we do, whether it's going through this campaign and we're, we're hopefully getting ready for a building, that will just be a tool to make disciples. That's all it is, a brick and mortar. It's expensive, but it's not eternal. We are in the eternal um, impact making business and that's people. Amen? All right. Now dream with me for a second. Dream with me for a second. Just a few more moments and we'll get to the sermon. But dream with me for a second. You guys know our heartbeat here at Whitewater. 
You know, we belong to bless the community so that they can belong. And then when people belong over a period of time, that they experience and ask their questions, that they can believe. And then when they believe, they, they can receive from Christ and receive forgiveness. But after a while, they're also challenged to grow. How many of you guys know that like receiving is really important, but there's also a time in your life, if you're living in a home or you're married, where you actually have to learn to like contribute. And to give of your, of your love and your care and your time, your talent, all those things, right? Like, as Christians, we're constantly growing. And even as non-Christians, if you don't know Jesus, you're growing towards Jesus. That's, that's our goal. We just want to help you one step at a time. And if someone's over here, and if someone's over here, that's okay. We just want them both to be moving forward. Now, um, you guys know that I hope that our heart is to bless. We, we partner with foster care. We have a huge heart for foster care. We do date nights for uh, all of Crest. We'd love to do more. Uh, we have a little, we have limitations because of this building um, and, and the, the time allotment that we have here. But we do as much as we can. And then we, we, we do a big Christmas party with them. Um, we have to get other buildings for that because it's gotten so big. Um, we have uh, groups. Every one of our groups, if you're not in a group, I'd really encourage you to, to form one or to get connected with one. Each of those is a learning community. They're growing together, um, loving each other, having fun, but they also have a mission. Each group usually serves somewhere, like a Fredrickson Elementary, and they throw events for them, or there's Spinning Elementary. There's a group that serves at, Spill- uh, at Spinning Elementary. They did their first big event this last spring. We got people who help uh, helping hands or you know other nonprofits or, or their neighborhood. And they do block parties. Every group tries to bless and serve. That's the heartbeat of our church. And let me ask you a question. What, what would it look like if we went from having a rental building just two days out of the week, Sunday, and then Wednesday nights, the only time we get this building? What if we went from having two days a week to seven? What if we were able to design this place for our community to be a place to call home? Not just for us, but for our community. What kind of life development could we give the community? What kind of love and blessing could pour out of our church or that we could bring people into? And what, what kind of, what kind of transformation could happen because of that? That's what, that's what the vision is. We want to make disciples. We want to bless our city so much more. Here's the last thing. Uh, if you don't have one of these built campaign, um, packets, I'd encourage you to grab one. Um, they're in the back, so as you leave, you can grab one of these. If you didn't get it last week, grab one of these. It has some cool stuff in it. It has a table topper that has like, um, just some specific things you can be praying for. Here's what it looks like. Um, just pop this on your table. It has some uh, verses and some, some ways that you can be praying for this campaign. We also have this booklet. Um, and I would, I'm not going to go through this. I'm just uh, going to ask you to read through this with your husband or wife or family. If your kids are at that point where they're learning about money, learning to be generous, what a cool development in their discipleship to teach them to be generous people, not stingy people. How many of you guys know generous people in your life? They're generous toward people with their words, with their actions, with their money. They give good tips. They care about people. How many of you guys know stingy people? So they, they do exist. <laughs> you know. We all have areas to grow in, right? Um, our goal is that we would learn by faith to be a generous church. And, and um, I'm going to invite each one of you to be praying and consider being part of this. But I believe that spiritual leadership is leading by example and inspiration, not through shame and guilt and like, you know, manipulation. So 
If you don't feel that you can or you don't feel God putting on your heart to be part of that, that's okay. Maybe you're in a stage where you just need to belong and learn to believe or you're belonging and seeing if this is for you, this is a place for you, and you don't need to be like giving or be part of this. Maybe some of you might find like, oh, well, someone gave and blessed me so that I could sit in this chair and so we can be in this building. Okay, I get it. Like when we sacrifice, lives are transformed. I'm called to be part of that. Well, if, if that's you and you realize maybe I want to join that, I want to step out of just belonging and I want to step into giving back, you know, this could be a great opportunity for you to grow. Uh, the one page I'll have you turn to is uh, this generosity page. Uh, if you don't have it, it's fine. It'll be up on the on the um, screen behind me. But we have this journey. If it's true that we're on a spiritual journey, then it's also true that we're on a generosity journey. And the first place it normally starts, someone doesn't know the Lord, they just find Jesus. It starts with tipping. How many of you guys have ever tipped at a church before? That sermon was pretty good. Here's five bucks. You know, here, that, Michael, that band was awesome, or that non-band, great acoustic set, that was rad, you know, throw a few bucks in. And I think every step is a step of faith, so I actually think that's awesome. Someone's moved in their heart, they don't know Jesus, or they're new to Jesus, they give a little bit, that's, that's a step of faith, that's awesome. It won't keep the lights on or pay for the rent, but it's, it's an awesome step of faith. Um, the next step that we see is people will, will give when needed. Maybe that's, oh, there's a need here, then they're starting this campaign, maybe that's, what, what you do. And then when you move to priority, it's uh, giving first to God. So it, that's when the paradigm flips. It, often it's a spiritual growth part in someone's life where they say, I'm going to trust God and I'm going to put him first. I'm going to, instead of eating the whole pie of my check, of my monthly check or, you know, bi-weekly check, or instead of just eating the whole pie of my income over the year and then giving God the rest, giving him the leftovers, giving him the crumbs of what has already been eaten, I'm going to slice out the, the piece of pie first for God. God and give it to him first before I give myself anything. And you flip it. Rather than giving him the crumbs, you give him the first slice. That's giving to God first. It might be 0.5% of your budget, 1%, 2%, 3%, whatever, whatever. And you give a percentage of that check, of that income, of that budget. You got it? And that's a major step of faith for a lot of people. And I just think that's awesome. We want, we want you to be growing. Maybe that's the step that God's calling you to take. The next step is percentage. We'd say that's 10%, the tithe. Uh, the Bible teaches us that tithing, tithing is 10%. Now, um, when, I, I love this verse. It says uh, about tithing. Um, in Deuteronomy 14, it says, The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives, to always put God first. And the tithing um, portion, this is, this is what I've noticed. This, people that get to this point and they step out in faith, they've come to realize that, oh, this is kind of scary. 10% sounds really scary to, to, you know, maybe many of us in here. But what happens is there's this realization that 90, 90% for myself, 10% given to God. So when I keep the 90 and tend to him, 90% of my funds with God's blessing and trust in God is greater than a hundred percent of my funds without trusting God. Does that make sense? And it's a spiritual way. It's also when you start to have big, a bigger perspective on what God does, it flips. And most of the people that I know that have taken that step, um, and it was scary. It was like, oh, this is a total leap of faith. And I get kind of scared about this. And there's a lot of reasons not to in my life and all kinds of stuff. But they make that, that leap of faith. Many of them, if not almost all of them I've talked to, say they would be afraid to stop giving that to the Lord because he's taken care of them. He's blessed other people. And it's just, it's changed their lives. Does that make sense? 
The last two are, you know, giving per- percentage or progressive percentage, you know, 11%, 12% growing that. There are Christians who like just have that gift and they want to keep growing that and that's a big deal. And then offerings are giving over and above, anything over and above. Um, we have two funds. We have our, our general fund and that's where our, all the giving uh, goes, our offerings go. And then we've created a separate fund for the built campaign. And um, we would ask if you're joining this to to continue your regular giving and giving on give on top or just take a step if you take one step of faith even if it's to go to percentage or um maybe for the first time giving to god you know your first fruits that will strengthen our church so that we can be ready when when god brings the opportunity we don't want to miss it amen now there's a lot more that can be said but i'll finish with this and then we'll, we'll jump into it oh we're going to be having a town hall right after service. We'll be answering questions. Um, so that, that would be awesome. I'd love to take anybody's questions. It'll be right after service. Um, and it'll just gather up here. I love this. This is so true when we give. As you give faithfully, the world is changed for the glory of God. The gospel is preached. Lives are touched. People are fed. Bodies are healed. Uh, churches are built. And you, in turn, are blessed by God so that you can be a blessing to others. I love that. This is true. When we give, lives are changed. Um, you can get any of the other information, the where, what, when, how, uh, by just picking up one of these packets. Let's jump into Luke uh, chapter 9, starting in verse 10. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 9. If you don't, we've got Bibles in the back, or the, uh, the words are going to be on the screen. If you guys remember last week, um, last week when we looked at this passage, um, it's got a lot of depth. And Jesus is working with his disciples. And starting in verse 10, it says this about Jesus. He took them along and withdrew privately to a town called Bethsaida. And when the crowds found out, they followed him. He welcomed them, spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and healed them who needed healing. And then late in the day, the twelve approached him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go home uh, into the surrounding villages and countryside to find food and lodging. Because we are in a deserted place here. What the disciples are saying, like, the need is greater than our capacity. The need, uh, uh, the emotional need, the spiritual need, the physical need of these people is greater than our resources and our capacity to reach them. How many of you guys know when you look out at the world that the, the need is always greater than our individual and personal capacity? How many of you guys know that? It's true, right? And sometimes when we look out, we can be like the disciples and look at how bad it can get in the world and just be like, man, what can anybody do? But the disciples are forgetting who they're with. They're forgetting who they're with. And Jesus said this to his disciples. He, he said, you give them something to eat. He wants them to feed them. Well, Jesus, we have no more than five loaves and two fish. That's not going to feed 5,000 men plus women and children would be fifteen to 20,000 people. That's a lot of people. Unless we go and buy food for all these people, which isn't going to happen. Then Jesus told his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. They did what he said, and he had them all sit down. And then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them, he broke them, and then he gave them to his disciples to set before the crowd. And it finishes with this, everyone ate and was filled, and they picked up the 12 baskets with leftovers for everybody. This is an incredible miracle. And, and there's a, I think there's some layers to this. We're, we unpacked a few layers last week. One of the things we talked about was that God wants to give through our hands. 
God wants to meet needs in our world through our hands. He, he gives us bread so that we can give bread to others. And I think it's so fascinating that the disciples have to receive bread from Jesus and then go put it in front of people, right? And the bread is not multiplied unless they give it away. Here's something that's really true in your life and in my life. We will not see miraculous multiplication until we give what God has placed in our hands. Does that make sense? I mean, you can be on the receipt, but you will not be part of the miraculous uh, blessing um, multiplication through your life unless you take what Jesus has given you and hold it open-handed. And there's so many reasons. Like the disciples are freaked out. There's so many people and there's so little. And so they've got that scarcity mentality. There's not enough to go around you to send them away because we've only got enough for ourselves. It is so easy to get locked into that mentality. And Jesus wants to break that mentality in us. And in this passage, uh, the, the other, the next layer of, of this story I wanted to kind of uncover for us is a biblical pattern that you see through all of Luke, all of Luke's writings. Luke wrote the book of Luke and he wrote Acts. And this is a pattern you see through all of it. This is his theology. And it's really simple but profound. And it says that Jesus took bread in his hands and then he blessed it and then he broke it, and then he gave it. He, he blessed it, he broke it, and then he gave it. And then the miracle ensued. And then the multiplication happened. And then the people were fed. And God blessed all these people through it. There's a, a tremendous lesson in this. In the story of Jesus, Jesus is blessed by God, and his ministry is blessed. And all these people are blessed through him. Like in this miracle, we're seeing God's blessing pour out of him. But in it is this like little symbol, this pattern that actually is imprinted over the whole Christian life, imprinted over the whole church's life that will be launched later in acts and it's this reality that jesus was blessed by god and then he was broken on the cross to be given to the world and without jesus being broken there was there wouldn't be the forgiveness of sins and here's the here's the crazy beauty about this jesus was broken by broken people that his enemies killed him the ones he came to bless and to love and to forgive and show a different way responded by rejecting and breaking his body and destroying his life and God turned that on its head and gave forgiveness and gave love to the world. He turned their evil, he turns our evil on it, onto, onto itself, and he, and Jesus absorbs our sin into himself to give us love and grace. He was blessed, broken, and then given. Do you see that pattern? How amazing is it later that when the disciples are walking away, there's two of them walking away from Jerusalem. Jesus has died. He's not back from the dead. They think their movement is over. They've lost. And then Jesus shows up. The resurrected Jesus shows up, but they're not expecting him. So they don't even recognize him. And he just starts walking on the road with him. He's like, hey, what's up, guys? And they're like, oh, everything's lost. Haven't you heard what's gone, what's gone on in Jerusalem? You don't know. Uh, uh, Jesus, the one who is leading and loving and blessing, the one blessed by God was broken. The movement's broken. Our hopes are broken. Everything about our future is broken. And so they're walking away from the cross, walking away from the movement of Jesus, walking away from Jerusalem. And Jesus starts teaching them the Bible to his disciples who don't recognize him. And he says, well, doesn't it say in the scriptures that he was to be broken and sacrificed and killed? Well, yeah, it does say that. 
for the forgiveness of sins. Yeah, it does say that. For freeing people. Yeah. He's like preaching this amazing sermon, going through the scriptures with them. How many of you could imagine being in that conversation? How cool would that be? And then all of a sudden uh, he says, and didn't he ha- you know, have to be raised back to life according to the scriptures? Oh, yeah, it does say that in there. He's like, so is your story really over? And they're, like, and they're just like, as they're walking, all of a sudden they get to a, a, an inn. They're like, stay with us. And they bring him in and they, they pay for his food and they show him hospitality. But still they don't recognize him. And it wasn't until the moment where Jesus took in his hands the bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them that all of a sudden their eyes were opened and they saw who it was with them because the pattern of the church, the pattern of Jesus is being blessed and broken to be given to the world. And isn't it true that the church, after that, when Jesus launched the church and he said, okay, I'm giving you my spirit, now go, the church would go through seasons of being tremendously blessed and then experiencing persecution individually or, or collectively and they were, they'd go through brokenness and then they would be given to the world. That's how the movement of the church started and the whole church, like the Christian movement like grew like crazy out of the roots of being blessed and then broken and then given and then blessed, broken and given. And when, when everybody else was running away from the plague, they were running to help the people with it. When, when people were running away from war and the, the ravages of war, there were Christians all of a sudden, these crazy people who were blessed so that they could go be broken and given to the world. And they were running toward the danger, running toward the, the hurt and the harm. And they were healing people. And this people of God that radically acted different than anybody else in the world was birthed out of this movement. And so in this moment where the disciples are doubting like how could how can we feed these people? How can God do a miracle? You know, it's easy as a disciple of Jesus to look at our world and be like, God, how can you really do anything in this world? Like, I mean, look at we don't have enough resources. You know, look in our wallets, look in our lives. Look at like I don't have the expertise, I don't have this, I don't have that. So easy to focus on what we don't have. So easy to see the little that we do and just wrap our hands really tight around it instead of opening our hands and giving it away. And and here's a reality. This is a spiritual reality that we, often when we are having a hard time um, giving something away, when we're having a hard time letting God give something through our lives that we care deeply about or we just are holding on to, it, it's a, often a sign that something in our heart needs to be broken so that we can give it away some aspect of pride some aspect of of anger some aspect of addiction something needs to be broken in us so that we can all of a sudden give it away is this not true if jesus created this movement with his disciples who are so afraid of the scarcity. And then when he shows them with the bread, that he's like, I, he's saying, I'm going to take your lives like this bread. And I, you have been blessed, but you will go through brokenness because you are broken people living in a broken world. But trust me, God will use what the world breaks or what is already broken or what you break in your life. God will take that and he will give it and he will turn it around and you will bless people with it. So if somebody's hurt you, and you're going through a season of brokenness, God will turn that somehow into good. If, if you have caused issues in your own life by decisions, broken relationships, whatever it may be, God can use that and give it to the world. Me and my wife went through a season where we lost um, twins at 21 weeks of her pregnancy and we lost some um, other miscarriages. It was a really hard season for us, and it was it was a time of brokenness for them. There, there were there were Sundays where I didn't, you know, I, 
I love you guys, but I didn't feel like coming and talking with some of you or didn't feel like preaching at times. Have you ever been through a season like that? You just don't feel yourself. My wife, it wasn't, it wasn't like she always felt like coming and, and connecting and praying with people. But, but there was, in our season of brokenness, we were able to learn how to see people's pain in a way that we had never seen. We were able to learn how to connect with others who had been something similar. And my wife was able to minister to people out of that brokenness in a way that was so much more powerful than, than, than anything before. And it's not like God would wish that on us or that I would wish that on anybody ever. But God will use the brokenness in our life to give a, the world hope and life and joy. I'm just saying that to, to be authentic and real with you guys. We're, we're blessed. We're broken. We're given. What area of your life are you struggling to be given in? Is God maybe trying to break something in your heart? Is he trying to break something that's got a hold of you? Is it pride? Is it consumerism? I have to have this. The addiction of more. Is it what does God need to break in you so that you can be fully given to him? I'm telling you, one of the greatest moments in a, in a disciple of Jesus' life is not just when they give their life to Jesus and start following him. That is incredible, yes. But but one of the most incredible moments is when the disciple it lets their heart or the aspects of their life be broken off that they don't need. Attachments that are killing them. Attachments that are toxic, not helpful. And they allow God to give their life. And they, it, there's a step of maturity, of depth, and trust and relationship that you cannot have with God until you allow Him to break you of those things. When they break a horse, it doesn't mean that they like break it of its ability. Breaking of a horse means that it now becomes useful to the Master. Will we let our lives become useful for His? Can I get an Amen. Guys, that's what I have for you today. We're going to have this town hall right after the service. Stick around if you've got any questions about building. Um, but I want to encourage you to be people who allow God to break you and to give. And so I'm asking, as you go home this, this week, be praying. How would God have you participate in the built campaign so we can continue building a place to belong? Um, we're going to have a time next next Sunday where our church can gather and we're going to let people like make commitments. Here's the commitment I'm making. It's going to be anonymous, but you can make a commitment. So we know as a church, this is what we're going to do together. And we're going to learn to be a generous, faith-driven church. Not scarcity, not selfish, not stingy, generous. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We're so grateful for you. Would you just... Would you lead us into a time of worship where we worship from the bottom of our souls, Lord? Would we just give you everything that we have, Lord? Would we sing with our hearts, Lord? And, and, and as we've stripped back the band, we've stripped back some of the things and just made it as, as, as elemental as possible, Lord, I pray that like you would, <clears throat> you would bring to the forefront the areas of our life that we need to give to you, that you would bring to the forefront of our hearts the areas that, that have been broken and maybe we, we, we need to allow you to use them and give them and bring us healing again. Lord, would you bring to the forefront things that, have, that, that we can be thankful for, that we could worship you for because you are the God who has given us everything, our lives, the ability to, to see, to taste, to have relationships. All these things are because of you. God, we thank you and we praise you today. May our voices reflect it.